me ask you this. Have you ever looked at something and said, no way? Like not one of those viral videos where the people are riding a bike on the sides of cliffs, if you've ever seen those, like those are obviously no way moments, but maybe, maybe a, a, a no way in your life. Like, like there's no way um, this will work out. There's, there's no way this is gonna end well. There's no way I can pay uh, that bill, right? I've certainly been there. Um, I've had plenty of no way times in my life. And you hear me say this time and time again, but a lot of times leading this church, I'm faced with lots of no ways. You know, I told you, I'd talk about the ministry recruit and how many places we have for you to serve, and it's almost 300 places. Now, that's not obviously every Sunday. We don't need 300 volunteers, but that's for us to create a healthy rhythm of discipleship and a healthy rhythm of volunteering. We have 289, to be exact, spaces where we want you to exercise your spiritual giftedness and we want you to be all who God has made you to be. And honestly, I look at that number and I say, no way. There's no way that's gonna happen. And I find myself there a lot where I look at what God has called us to do and I look at the resources we have and money and people and they don't match up. Like what God has called us to do and, and, and what it seems like he's given us to do that with, doesn't, the, the math doesn't work out. Have you ever been in a place like that before where the math doesn't work out? I have, and, and, and I look at God and I go, there's no way. And, and I would imagine that you have your no way too. And I bet that you have this own no way in your life. Maybe it's no way that your parents will understand what you're going through. Maybe it's no way that that person will actually like you. No way you'll make it. No way the bills will get paid. Whatever your no way is, I bet there's a no way in your life right now. Well, be encouraged because today, here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see that Jesus is greater than our no way. As we've been going through Hebrews, we've been seeing that Jesus is greater than. He's greater than all your ups and downs. He's greater than all your fears, all your doubts. He's greater than all your failures and he's greater even than all your successes. And today, we're gonna see that whatever your no way is, Jesus is is greater than it. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through 41. Um, if you need a Bible, it's, you can use the one in front of you and the verses are on page 847 or you can also download the Bible app and click on events and then click on Fellowship Asheville and everything is there. And as you're turning there, let me tell you a little bit about what we're gonna see today. Right, because I think there's two main categories where we see no ways in our lives. Right, there, there's, there's these categories of no ways where there are circumstances around us. And just so y'all know too, like to give you a real time of a circumstance around us, for some reason, my sermon isn't the way that I wrote it. I'm looking at a no way right now. I don't have any of my highlights. I don't have any of my notes I'm not flying blind, I've got something in front of me, but it's not what I rehearsed. So, all of a sudden, I'm not quite as tired as I was a few minutes ago. <laughs> so bear with me. Come back second service, it might turn out to be better. Um, 
But there are circumstances around us, right, that, that are these no ways and stuff that we can't control and stuff that we don't expect, and it just hits us. Right, and, and, and that's a category of no ways, and we're gonna see that. But then there's also this, this other category of no ways where it's not what's around us, it's what's inside of us. Right, where our own fear and our own insecurities and, and our own doubts and, and, and just the way God has made us, that, that that gives us this no way, that we're looking at what God has asked us to do, we're looking at what God has placed in front of us, and we're like, there's no way that we can do this. In those cases, we are our own weaknesses. That's what causes our no way. And so today, we're gonna see two different categories of, of, of these no ways. One is a no way that's around you, and the other one is a no way that's in you. That's what we're gonna see. And we're gonna see that Jesus is greater than all of them. Let's look at verse 29 and, and see this first category. So Hebrews chapter 11, uh, verse 29, it says... <clears throat> By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Now, this Red Sea is a perfect picture of a no way situation that's a circumstantial no way. It's a no way outside of us, isn't it? Because in Exodus, Here's what we see. You remember we're, we're in this chapter right now where it's called this hall of faith and this hall of fame of, of people who exercised great faith. And, and it's not that they were just brave for being brave's sake. It's, it's, it, they didn't get five-star awards. They're not those kind of, of people. They're people who exercised great faith. And Moses is one of those people. And if you remember last week, we talked about how if you were a Jewish person who grew up in a Jewish home, Moses was your hero. Because he had all this power and, 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 and he used it. God used him to do some incredible things. And here's one of those things that God used him to do. And it's in Exodus. And we see that God used Moses to bring freedom to the people of Israel. Right? They, were, they were enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years, for centuries. And they got their freedom and they were finally leaving Egypt where, where God had changed Pharaoh's heart and changed Pharaoh's mind in a, in a very dramatic way. And, and, and as they're leaving, um, and, and what's interesting, you see this, this moment where they didn't just leave Egypt. Egypt paid them to leave. E the Egyptians were giving them gold and silver as, uh, basically as, 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 as payment for, for being slaves for all those years. And so they were sent out uh, on their way back home to the land of Israel, uh, loaded down. And as they're making their way, the Pharaoh changes his mind and he sends an army after them. Well, there they are, and they, they get to, the, to this Red Sea. And the nation of Israel stood between this Red Sea and then this army chasing them. Now, some of you, your no way may feel like this. Your no way may feel like you're stuck between two impossible places between two things that aren't gonna move. And, and this is what Israel felt like, and this is what Moses felt like. He looked at the sea, and it wasn't gonna move, and he looked at the army, and the only movement they had was attacking them. And some of your no way that's around you might feel just like this. Well, we know what happened. Because God told Moses to take his staff and to raise his staff up and to stretch out his hand and divide the sea. 
You know, when God told Moses this, he'd have to be like, I'm, I'm sorry, what? Divide the sea? But Moses did it. And he acted in faith. When God told him to do something that, had never, that he had never seen or experienced before, he, he did. And by faith, Moses did what God asked. And, and when he did, that no way which suddenly was, you know, which was there between the Red Sea and and this army approaching, suddenly this no way, God showed them a way right in the middle of it. And this time the no way had a way through. You see, when Jesus is greater than our no way, one of the things that happens is our no way becomes God's way through. When we look at two impossible things and we bring that to God and, and, and declare before him that Jesus is greater than these two impossible things, sometimes what God does is he provides a way through. Now notice the Red Sea is still there. The army is still there. God just provided a way through it. And see, maybe the no way that you're facing, God is providing a way through it. He's not providing a way around it. He's not providing a way for you to avoid it. He is providing a way through it. In Exodus, we see something else that I love about this. Is that God didn't just make a way through the impossible God went with them through it. So God didn't just say, Moses, part the Red Sea. All right, now y'all go on. I'll meet you on the other side. When you look at the Exodus account, there is a cloud of smoke, this pillar of smoke and fire at night that actually before that had led them to that point. But then when the army came, that cloud of pillar picked up and moved between them and the army so that when they went through the Red Sea, they weren't going alone. The very presence of God was going through the Red Sea with them. And not only was the presence of God going through the Red Sea with them, God had provided a way through it and was protecting them from the army that they saw coming. So see, God doesn't just separate the seas and, 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 and tell you to, to walk. He walks through it with you. Look at this other way that God deals with the no ways in our circumstances. Look at verse 30. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell, fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. And by faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, in the book of Joshua, we, we see what our preacher here is talking about. Remember, the book of Hebrews is a sermon that was preached, and we don't know who preached it. We don't know who wrote it down, but we know it was to a group of Hebrews. That's why it's called the book of Hebrews. And if you grew up in a Jewish home, you would know exactly what this preacher was talking about. And, and Rahab was this woman who lived in a city right smack dab in the, in, in the promised land where the nation of Israel was coming. And so God had given them this land, and somehow the inhabitants of that land knew that God had given them land because we see in Rahab's response that that knowledge was out there because that's how she exercised her faith. 
The spies showed up. Joshua was leading the nation at the time and he had sent some spies in the land to kind of check out Jericho. And when they did, they, they ran into this prostitute named Rahab. And we don't know if she was currently a prostitute or, or had previously been a prostitute. We don't know that. We just know that was the title that was given to her. And these spies show up and, and, and they tell her they're from the, the nation of Israel. And her response is, this land has been given to God to your God, and she knew that. And when her people came and said, hey, there are spies here, do you know where they are? She had already sent them away, and she sent her people, she she protected these spies. And so not only was her faith exercised in what she knew, but her faith was exercised in what she did. But here's the problem. God was gonna destroy Jericho. And so Rahab didn't need a way through. That wasn't her no way. She needed a way out. You see, sometimes when Jesus is greater than our no way, our no way becomes God's way out. And sometimes you need a way out too. Maybe you're a Christian and you're dating a non-Christian. And at first, it started off as just this like and, and, and affection and, and attraction, but then it grew into something else, and you can kind of see where this is going. And leaving that dating relationship feels like a no way because finally somebody understands you and somebody sees you and somebody knows you, and that feels really good. Well, let me tell you, when Jesus is greater than your no way, Following Jesus will fulfill you in ways that no relationship can. And scripture is very clear about Christian and non-Christian relationships. Psychology is very clear about inter-religious relationships. They're hard. And God would much rather you be with one of his children And so following Jesus will fulfill you in ways that no relationship can. But what if your relationship is with a Christian? What if you're a Christian and you're dating a Christian or you're engaged to a Christian? But man, it's just not a great relationship because here's the myth. The the myth of dating is that if you date somebody who's a Christian, it's gonna be good. That's not true, right? And what if this relationship with this Christian that you're in isn't going where a good relationship needs to go? What if your boyfriend or girlfriend, what if they're pressuring you to go further physically than you wanna go? What if they're pressuring you to have sex? Because everybody else is. What if they're asking you to do things that you don't wanna do and leaving that relationship seems like a no way? What would people think? What would my friends, our friends, how would they respond? Listen, let Jesus be greater than your no way. Because a right relationship with Jesus is better than a bad relationship with one of his children. Now, this one might step on some toes. And, and I'm gonna start off by saying, I think if, if, if somebody is married, divorce should be off the table. That that's not an option. And I know some of you have experienced divorce and it's hurtful and it's never good That's a different sermon for a different day. I'm talking to couples who are married right now and it's hard. 
and it's hard for reasons that are beyond your control? What if you're married to someone who has broken and continues to break marriage vows? Maybe they've had sex with someone outside the marriage. That's called adultery, and that's broken vows. And maybe they continue to do that. Maybe they abuse you and they hurt you. And they continue to do that. And abuse is broken vows. Maybe, maybe, maybe they traded passion for you with passion for something else and it's called addiction. And that's broken vows. And maybe your marriage is your greatest no way. Well, church, sometimes when Jesus is greater than our no way, he does provide a way out. And I believe God can reconcile and restore any marriage, right? Are we clear on that? But I also believe that there are times when there is adultery, there are times when there is addiction, and there are times when there is abuse that a separation needs to happen. Because you need time and they need time to decide, are they committed to this marriage? And see, when Jesus is greater than that no way, beautiful things can happen. I've seen a couple separated for 14 years. 14 years. They were separated, obviously were living separate lives after 14 years. Um, She had this experience with Jesus. He had this experience with Jesus. And by God's grace, they got back together. And now if you knew them, you would never, ever know that that was part of their story unless they told you. Because they've got this strong and beautiful marriage where Jesus is greater than. You see, when you're in this situation, here's what I need you to do. Don't go it alone and get a counselor. Don't think that you can figure this out with just you and Jesus. That's step one. Step two is getting somebody who's wise and that you will listen to and let them speak into this situation with you because it's a big deal. Because you see, here's what I've seen in marriages. When Jesus is greater than and when you have a right relationship with Jesus, it is better than an unrepented, unconfessed, ungodly marriage. And so if your no way is about what's happening around you, let Jesus be greater than. And when he is, he'll provide a way through or he'll provide a way out. But what if your no way isn't around you? What if your no way is in you? Well, you're not alone. Look at this. In verse 32, And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets. You see, these men, who, who may not seem like great men of faith, right? This is the part where you look at this list and you're like, how did, how did, how did some of these people end up on this list? Here's the deal of walking by faith. 
Your measure of faith may look different than somebody else's measure of faith, but it's still faith. And David's walk with the Lord looks different than Barak's walk with the Lord, but they are both walking with the Lord. And each of these people had something that that they had to exercise faith and something inside of them that they had to let Jesus be greater than. Gideon was ruled by his own fear. Right, as, as, as the nation of Israel was, was, was being uh, attacked and, and ruled by different people, uh, there's, this, there's this part in Gideon's life where, where he is in this, in this hut, basically doing something that should be done outside. He's working with wheat, and the way they'd work with wheat is you would take and you'd bang around, you kind of throw it up in the air, and the, and the chaff would fly away, and the good stuff would fall down to the ground. And so you needed to be outside to do that. You needed to be on a hilltop to do that where the wind would blow it. But Gideon didn't do that. He was inside this little hut trying to work with wheat because he was scared to be out and to be seen because he thought he might be attacked. And God shows up as he's doing something in secret that should be done in private. God shows up and calls him mighty warrior. And he's looking at himself going, I am far from a mighty warrior. And another part he, he is actually leading an army and he's putting his faith in numbers and he's got this big army and, and, and God's trying to show him he doesn't need numbers, he just needs God. And so God takes this big army and whittles it down to just a few people and God uses that few people to do more than that big army would have done. Anybody have fear ruling in their heart? Anybody have fear that's making this no way big and scary? Barack, he was an insecure man. He could not make a decision on his own. And when he should have been leading, he let somebody else lead. And she was an excellent leader. She did an incredible job. And he was ruled by his own insecurity. And even in that insecurity, though, he exercised faith. Anybody have insecurity keeping them in a no way? Samson, he was controlled by his flesh, right? Anything he wanted, he got it. Whether it was honey or whether it was a woman, if he wanted it, he got it. Anybody here led by your wants and are your wants keeping you in your no way? Here's a great way to check. What's your debt like? How much debt do you have? Like credit card debt. That's a good way to see if you're being led by your wants, being led by your flesh. Jephthah, he was the opposite of most people on the list. He wasn't insecure. He wasn't fearful. He was actually like overconfident, right? His problem was that that he knew more than God knew. At least he acted like he did, and he made this rash vow which, which cost him his daughter. Anybody stuck in a no way because of a rash decision or a decision that seemed really good at the time is one way to think about it. And man, last year, that, that, that new car seemed like a really good decision at the time. Now that we're paying the bill on it, it may not be. David, why is he on the list? I think we all know, don't we? We know David's story. That's actually why he's on the list. Because we all know David's story. 
You know, he's the story of almost like a celebrity pastor of today where, where life looks like everything is up and to the right until you discover that it's not and it really hasn't been for a long time. And for David, everything looked like it was going great. The nation was doing good. It looked like he was doing great. But in the middle of it, he had this affair and murder happen. And everything looked great until it obviously wasn't. But in David, we see this great picture of what does a story look like when it's got a big ink blot on it? When it's got a part that doesn't fit with the rest. And maybe your story has a part that doesn't fit with the rest. Maybe your story has an ink blot on it too. And if so, then hope. Because you see, David had faith. And faith that God would restore him. And faith that God would use him. And this faith in God where Jesus is greater than can wipe away any ink blots in your story. Samuel and the prophets are listed too. And, and I think they're there because they were just men that God used in mighty ways. And God asked them all to do things that didn't make sense and they exercised faith and did it and got to see God move. And I think this reference here too where it says other prophets are probably Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah. Scripture doesn't really show their failures in the same way that we see with these others. But what they do have in common, each and every one of them, is that these people had to let Jesus be greater than. And look at what happened when they did. Verse 33 says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection that's the good part. Now, then the other part. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two and they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. You see, sometimes the no way you face is all about you. And yet, when Jesus is greater than your no way, here's what happens. The no way becomes God's way above. You see, all these people with the, with the stuff that was inside them and the fear and the doubt and, and, and the exercise of faith to do what, what God had asked them to do, when they let Jesus be greater than that, when they took that step of faith, they actually rose above what they were currently looking at. When, Jesus, uh, when, when Gideon was standing in that hut and God called him a mighty warrior, he raised his eyes above the hut to, to, to see himself the way that God saw him. And see, when Jesus is greater than your fear and he's greater than your insecurity and he's greater than your desire to get what you want and to, and to have it right now, each of these people had to rise above and see themselves the way God sees. And that was their act of faith. But look, look at how they did it in verse 38. It says, of whom, so it's referring to all of these people, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth, the world was not worthy, is the way that this preacher describes them in their act of faith. And see, when you look at your own fear and insecurity and fleshly desires and impatience, and you look at those ink blots that are in your life, 
And you take those to Jesus and you say, Jesus, you are greater than any of these. I see this in me, but I see you as being bigger. I see you as being greater. When you do that, something happens. And what happens is your life begins to be marked by faith. Because faith says, I'm afraid, but Jesus gives me strength. I'm insecure, but Jesus gives me security. I want what I don't need, but Jesus gives me the patience to wait until I get from him what he'll give me. Faith says, yes, I have a past. Yes, I made a horrible mistake. Yes, I sinned. But Jesus sees my future, and I live for that. You see, here's how they did it, and here's how we can too. Look at verse 39. It says, And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us. You see, the people listed in that list, and the people in this hall of of faith, this hall of fame, of, of faith people, All they had was this promise of a coming Messiah. They knew their Savior was coming, and and in this promise, they placed their faith. They didn't know his name, but we do. And here's what's crazy. When you think about this preacher preaching to this group of Hebrew people that were raised in Jewish homes and and, and had accepted Jesus as their Messiah, the time that this was written was a time when when people in this church that that was listening to this preacher speak, they most likely knew somebody who had met Jesus himself. They most likely knew somebody who had seen him after the resurrection. If not, some of the people in that very congregation had seen Jesus after his resurrection. Some of them may have even been at his ascension when he gave them the command to go make disciples of all nations and then then rose up into heaven. They had this evidence that Jesus really was the Messiah. The people in chapter 11, they had a promise, but the people that this was preached to, they had evidence that Jesus was real. They had evidence that their faith was anchored into a good and right place. They had a belief in the coming Messiah, and we know his name as Jesus. You see, they had access to the people who had seen the resurrected Jesus. We know his name, and we're still asked to live by that faith. Faith in him being who he said he was and doing what he said he came to do. And that's our gospel, that that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection did exactly what it was supposed to do. And it gave us this good and right relationship with the God who loves us and who created us. And when our faith is there, instead of what we do right and what we do wrong and what we've got wrong in us and what we've got wrong around us, when our faith is there, we get to enjoy this good and intimate and personal relationship with God. When this is our gospel, and that's what our faith is anchored in. And look at where that faith takes us. In the last part of verse 40, it says, and apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, 
The ESV reads this, it's a little funny. The, the, the Net Bible, actually, I, I like the wording that they use better. It says that they would be made perfect together with us. In other words, that, that the people from chapter 11 who believed in this coming Messiah and the people who are sitting in that Hebrew congregation and us who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that we are all gonna be together in this perfect place that is also promised called heaven. And it means that, that by faith, we all have the same place of perfection that we get to look forward to, where we get to experience all of our promises being answered from God. And where we get to meet Jesus face to face and there the fears we face, the insecurities we face, the, the, the voices that are in our head telling us that that ink blot in our life does define us, not everything else, those voices will be silenced and no more. And heaven is available to those by faith with a faith in Jesus. And for those of you who haven't said yes to this, who those of you who haven't said yes to walking in that kind of faith, let today be your day. Because all he wants for you is to come from him, to come to him in the midst of your no way. And for those of you who have done this, who have said yes to Jesus, your faith has already given you what you know to be true, that you can come to him in the midst of your no way. And we forget. That's why I think God has church every week, right? That's why our, 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 our cycle isn't like once a month, right? Because we need this reminder because we forget that Jesus is greater than. And by faith, you can lay down whatever is keeping you in your no way and trust that Jesus is better. And as a matter of fact, here's what we're gonna do when we go into communion today. Um, on your row, there is a little stack of paper on the side. And if the person on the end would take that and, 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 and pass them down, and what I would like you to do is to take a minute and think about what no way you're facing I was talking to the worship team about this and one of the people on the worship team said, well, that's a pretty small piece of paper for what I need to write down. You can use the back, you can use the front, you can grab two or three if you need or you can come back second service and divide them up, do one list for first service, one list for second service. But here's what I want you to do. Take some time and write down a word or a phrase that describes your no way. Whether it's circumstances around you, whether it's something inside of you, what is your no way? And what we're gonna do is when you come to the communion table, you put that no way right here in this basket. And you literally lay down that no way and pick up the communion elements in its place. And, 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 and we do this as a picture that Jesus is greater than that no way, whatever that no way is. And then go back to your, go back to your seats and we'll take communion together in just a couple of minutes. So, so the, the band will come up here and play some music whenever you're ready to come up. Bring that no way, put it in here, take juice and cracker uh, back to your seat and we'll take the elements together. Now this table is for anybody who is a follower of Jesus, anybody who has said yes to Jesus by faith, that's what this table is for. You don't have to be a member here or anything like that. It's just for those who have said yes to Jesus. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, like I said, maybe today is your day. So let me pray for us 